1: What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man.
0: The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done.
1: Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and my co-host is Rachel Miller. And we are excited to have Simonetta Carr on for the second time we had you on before uh, about your book about your son and schizophrenia. If you haven't heard that one, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. But you have a new book. It came out a few weeks ago, a few months ago, excuse me, Questions Women Asked, Historical Issues, Timeless Answers. Um, I want to to just mention real quick for our listeners, kind of the way this, this book is set up. I definitely learned a lot of history in this book. Um, Each chapter, she has a question and then she has kind of a story of somebody in history. I mean, just all throughout, it's kind of amazing. All of the information that you were able to find on some of these people, some that I was not familiar with. And then at the end of each chapter and they're short little chapters Um, There's a food for thought, and then there's for further research. I love that you included that for further research. So, Simonetta, for those that aren't familiar with you, could you share a little bit about yourself and then also why you wrote this book?
2: Um, Well, as soon as I start speaking, you know, I have an accent. And uh, I was born in Italy, born and raised in Italy, so I never get rid of the Italian accent. Um, So I've been in the States for uh, maybe 25 years or so. And my husband is American. We had eight kids. Um, So I've been very busy with that for a long time. (laughs) And I actually started to write. uh, Well, I've always loved writing all my life, but I never thought I would write books. And I started actually in 2008, just before uh, the anniversary of uh, John Calvin's uh, I think it was birth. And I, um, I started to write books for children at that time, biographies. And then after that, I just continued to write. And this particular book came about because I've been writing a blog every week for uh, the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. And the blog is called uh, Place... uh, Well, my blog is called um, Clouds of Witnesses, but um, it's part of a larger blog called called Place for Truth. And uh, so I've been writing something every week, just a little sketch of some people in church history and many of them were women and then i noticed how they were many of them were asking questions or, or pondering over questions and so i just decided to collect this, this uh stories about these women and came up with uh, about 31 i actually have a lot more
0: <laughs> i really enjoyed um you know i've read your series followed your series on uh, mm-hmm. The Alliance, and I'm, I've read several of your books, uh, the history books for children with my boys, and really enjoyed them. Uh, I, um, my degree is in history, so my background is particularly in medieval and Renaissance Reformation history. And so I've really enjoyed um, reading those biographies mm-hmm. with the children. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a great way to share uh, the history with them in a way that's accessible. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you decide to research these particular women and their questions mm. it depends
2: it depends on uh, on the woman As, some of them I knew before uh, for example um, Renee of Friends Olympia Morata, Julia Gonzaga I actually wrote separate books about them Two for children and, and uh, Rene of France was a different book that I wrote for Evangelical Press. Um, Marie Durand, too. It's in my series for children. Phyllis Wheatley. Um, so some of them I knew from before and some I just found as I was, uh, doing this blog. And, um, I, I just read a lot of books. So. <laughs> <laughs> While I read books, I
1: discovered some of these women. Mm. So do you think that the the women that you kind of highlight and, and the questions that they asked, do you think they reflect the time and culture they lived in? Or maybe some of them do, some of them don't. And um, also, do you think that their concerns are more widely applicable even to us today?
2: So you're saying whether the questions apply mostly to
1: their time and
2: culture? Right.
1: Or do they apply? Yeah. Or do you think that they're primarily things that were applicable mm-hmm. to them in their time, or they mm-hmm. do they apply to us today?
2: I think they apply to us today. That's why I, at the end of a chapter, I put questions because I, I think most of them do, um, even. Some, um, there's, there's a woman that is asking if God cares about hairstyles. <laughs> um, I, I actually was thinking of having that as the title of the book, but um, <laughs> the, my publisher really like the idea. <laughs> but, yeah, um, her situation is related mostly to her time and place because I don't think... Uh, Today, I, I haven't heard of anybody being excommunicated for wearing their hair a certain way. But we we have similar issues of uh, what what is permissible and what is not, and how much can the church dictate in the, in, in these areas? Do we have Christian freedom on these things? And uh, so. I I think they're all African.
0: You know, it's interesting that you brought up uh, that one in particular. That was a very interesting story mm-hmm. to read about. Um, and you know, we we do hear from women around the country who are in churches and under church discipline for a variety of of, of kind of. Um, surprising reasons like that, that where there is that kind of overreach of, of yeah. church authority, and there's, um, you know, the, the issues of Christian liberty come up. So I do think that uh, the women in our audience would be interested to read about what happened with with this particular woman and, and several yeah. of the others. Yeah.
2: Um, and then I, I like, uh, I mean, she reacted a certain way, but then in my questions, and I do this for every chapter, I always say, what do you think? you know is she react the, the correct way or do you, would you react differently? Is there another point of view? because mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I just didn't want to give answers unless mm-hmm. the women did <laughs> and uh, and just help the readers come up with their own conclusions.
0: It certainly would be one that would be fun to read. Uh, with others and then discuss what you think about various things. And uh, it 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 would spark some very interesting discussions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was there one woman in particular that you enjoyed studying and writing about? Mm.
2: I don't know. So many. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One, well, there were a few that I just discovered that I didn't know before. Um, Mm -hmm. One that really stuck with me was Anne Griffiths and she's uh, Welsh and it and made me really wish I could speak Welsh <laughs> so I could read her uh, poems in the original language. Um, yeah, I was really impressed that she um, spent her whole life in a farm. She worked mm-hmm. in a farm and uh, uh, just stayed her whole life. But she studied the Bible, went to church, you know, reflected on what she heard, and uh, kept uh, reading and, and thinking. And she came up with this beautiful poetry that is drawn from uh, scriptures. You can pretty much read their poetry and find uh, references, uh, Bible references, for almost every line that she writes. And it's so profound, and so I was very impressed by her and by how she just, you know, just lived in a farm. Nothing much happened to her life, but she could find so much wealth in in, uh, in the scriptures.
1: Yeah, I was just
2: impressed.
1: Well, I was thinking, I I know some people that kind of are devoted to, um. Finding Christian writings written in other languages. Like I know, I know a man that specifically translates religious writings from Swedish. That's what he does. But I wonder if there's. I wonder how much that happens with some of the writings from women. Um, Did you find any? Because you mentioned that you wish you you had known this language. Um, Did you Did you find it all that? Um, sometimes they just weren't translated into English or in your case, yeah, Italian, I them, guess? I,
2: well, for, for this specific uh, woman, uh, I mean, woman and Griffiths, yeah, it, her writings have been translated into English, thankfully, and I, I put the reference at the end. So yeah, that, that helps. And sometimes I just wish because... I know poetry sounds so much better in another language. Hmm. I mean, in their original language. So I wanted to see how it sounded. And I can't even read Welsh, <laughs> let alone understand.
1: <laughs> but yeah. Um,
2: but there are, there's another woman I, I discovered recently. Um, and I, I'm hoping to do part two of <laughs> of this book. But there's a woman I, I discovered, and she's Japanese. And, um, for example, what you were saying you know, about translation, I think there's only three other books that have been translated into English, and uh, even those are very difficult to find. But, but she's an amazing writer. So, yeah, I think it is uh, a problem. I think it would be good to have more people
1: translating. Yeah, some people don't even realize there are so many religious writings out there that have yet to be translated. I know another guy that's, that has even translated some works from a that hadn't been um, mm. translated yet into English. And I think you're right about the poetry. I, I um, listen to some music in different languages, and most of them I do not know. Um, but I know some French. And I know that um, I'll sometimes look at the translation that people will um, will put out there for this song, and it just doesn't fully capture yes. um, the original language. The you know what you yes. get from that original language. D- did you um, learn any things that kind of surprised you?
2: Probably. <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking. Um, I don't know. That's a question I, I haven't asked myself. I don't know, because some of the things I have, it's not like I learned everything at once. Mm-hmm. Is this, this compilation of uh, things I've learned over time? Yeah, I would say there's two things, probably. Uh, one was Dorothy Lay, and I don't even know if I pronounce it right, Lay or Lie, I, I assume it's Lay. It's a Puritan author, British. Um, <clears throat> she wrote a manual for her sons. Uh, and, and that was kind of typical in those days. Some mothers would do that, leave writings for their children, uh, hoping that their children will will treasure them and uh, remember what mom said (laughs) after they were gone. Um, And one thing that that impressed me in her writings is that she wrote about uh, respecting women and uh, making sure that uh, she she even talked about rape, which is very unusual at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just very impressed that she spoke like that. She talked to them about how to be good husbands and respecting their their wives and and also how to raise their daughters. And uh, you, you get the feeling that she spoke to women that had been raped and she wanted to avoid that and she definitely didn't want her sons to be guilty of that in any way so she was pretty strong on those subjects and I didn't expect it from a Puritan woman (laughs) yeah that is
1: that is fascinating what was there anyone that you kind of studied for this book and thought I really I really want to learn more I want to I want to read more about this woman Mm. yeah lots of them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah. Well reading your book yeah. made me feel like that <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yes yes i i often say that i feel like i have 31 new friends mm-hmm. because <laughs> i read so much about them and i when i was writing i was really trying to understand these women and to to get what they were saying so I feel like I know them. <laughs> and so many of them, yeah, for many of them, I felt like, oh, I, w- I wish I could spend more time reading what they said. And then some of them I did. I, I read more for, about them later. But some of them, the problem with women is that we have a limited amount of uh, their writings. So, yeah, with some of them, I wanted to read more, but then... <laughs> They didn't have that much more. Um, in some cases, though, they were prolific. Lucy Hutchinson, mm-hmm. she wrote a lot, and it's quite uh, interesting, her poems. I, I especially like her poetry. There's one, Lydia Mackenzie Miller. She's the wife of Hugh Miller. Um, I read a lot more from... Uh, things that she wrote but also i read more of uh, what her husband wrote for a while i was in scotland with them <laughs> uh, I, I really liked both of them so i think i'd like to meet them in heaven
0: i particularly enjoyed the chapter on anne steele mm-hmm. uh, yes. one of my favorite uh, hymns uh, dear refuge of my weary soul Yes, um, Ruf and Double Grace has done a version of it, and we'll link it because mm-hmm. it's one of my favorites. But um, the verse she said uh, it says, "But oh, when gloomy doubts prevail, I fear to call thee mine. Mm-hmm. The spring of comfort seem to fail, and all my hopes decline. Yet gracious God, where shall I flee? Thou art my only trust, and still my soul would cleave to thee, though prostrate in the dust." Yes. And it's just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful words. Um, it, this is a thread I noticed through several of the, the women, but what did you discover in your research about Christians struggling with doubt, with anxiety, with depression, mental health?
2: Yeah, it seems like it is, uh, as you're saying, uh, it's a struggle to really know that um, that you are uh, the Lord's and that you mm-hmm. That you're saved. Um, so it's, it, it goes on and on. I found it in, in many of these women. With mental health, especially, I was, yeah, when I read about Sarah Sargent Miller, the wife of Samuel Miller, who's uh, one of the founders of Princeton Theological Seminary, um, I was very surprised to see that she went through. Uh, some mental anguish for a long time. I mean, I don't know how we would uh, diagnose her today, maybe depression, I'm not really sure, but she was definitely suffering. And she even took some, uh, what at that time were considered medications. They didn't help. Um, and she went on for a long time, but she didn't tell anybody and she was married seven years before she told her husband. Mm. By the time she told her husband, she was better. So she didn't even want to tell her husband while she was going through it. And to me, this uh, was very surprising. But I I assume that she was not the only one.
1: On a per- on a more personal note, Simonetta, what is an example from the book on something that... You were able to learn um, from a woman. I learned from almost all of these
2: women. Um, well, like I was saying, Anne Griffiths really taught me to dig more deeply into the Bible uh, to take to just uh, study it more thoroughly. I think one <clears throat> one thing that sometimes I don't know if it's just me or if it's a trend, but the people go through the Bible. You have these things, you know, go through the Bible in a year and you try so hard to do it and then you don't even, you just read it fast so Mm -hmm. that you can keep your pace, you know. But something I learned from her is just, if she was able to draw so much from a Bible verse, she must have spent a lot of time just meditating over it. And well, she was on a farm and <laughs> that can help, but uh, that, that taught me a lot about just trying to go slower and draw more from the Bible. Um, but then, yeah, there's so many other women that really, uh, spoke to me just, just by seeing their example, um, the questions that I put at the end of each chapter, um, many of them I ponder myself too. And I don't know if I have all the answers either, but, <laughs> um, but they, they made me think, definitely.
0: As you were doing your research and writing, was there anything that you learned that um, strengthened you in your faith? I know you mentioned to encourage you in reading scripture mm-hmm. but anything that strengthened you personally in your faith
2: i think almost all of these women did because they went through so much in different ways they had many of their questions were actually struggles that they had there were light questions. I mean, even the one about hairstyles <laughs> sounds like a light question, but it was not because she was being excommunicated for that, so it was a major issue. And um, so they they struggled, but then at the end, they their faith in God was still very strong, and um, and I think that helped me just to see that to reinforce the the belief that it's really God that keeps us, that keeps the faith in us, and it's a a gift of God, and uh, we go through things, but then eventually he pulls us through, and I think most of these women recognize that. Um, One of these women that actually um, I wish uh, to read more about and uh, also I I hope my readers will read more about her. It's Isabella Marshall Graham. Uh, She, she, well, the question I have in the book is how can I help the needy? She's most famous for her programs of helping uh, needy women and children in America, which was uh, quite commendable. And she had to struggle to do it. But when you read their writings, that's not all there is. She is, uh, uh, she has an amazing grasp of uh, scriptures and uh, an amazing way of encouraging others in the faith. So, that, uh, reading her writings also encouraged me a lot. It's it just the way that they, that they express themselves. I, sometimes I don't know if it's, If women express themselves differently, um, and it depends, you know, you have a lot of men, they also open up their hearts. But um, I know John Knox uh, um, surprisingly did. (laughs) Uh, Samuel Rutherford is another one that really opened up his heart. But sometimes men don't. You read their writings and they're beautiful, but women... Tend to speak more heart to heart, and I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, generalizing, but that's something I found in in uh, these writings. Um, and cousin, the, she's mm-hmm. the one that wrote the the famous
0: hymn um, taken from Samuel Rutherford. Um, um, sands of time are sinking. Yes, <laughs> or in Emmanuel's land. Yes, right, I love that one too. Yeah.
2: And I, when I found out more about her, um, her other poems or hymns, uh, sometimes I don't know. I don't think that these women meant these poems to become hymns, so I don't know how to call them sometimes. But they're just as uh, encouraging and and uh, powerful in faith, and she. Devoted some of these to friends who were going through different struggles, and and I could just uh, see, I could just um, feel the concern that she had for her friends. So yeah,
0: you know, I think that that you're right. I think a lot of times women, um, and maybe it's a cultural thing, but we're mm-hmm. we we feel more free, or we are. Uh, we were allowed to be more free with our emotions uh, <laughs> yes. right if that makes sense um, yes. and uh, and cousins the the last verse that we often sing from uh, the sands of time uh, what i love about it is it's from the perspective of the bride and the bridegroom right yes and I think that there is some imagery there that is women that we understand a little better, or we yes. it it applies in a way that we get. I think men can understand it, but it's in a, something that I think is very precious to women. Yes. So when we talk about the bride
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the last verse. Is, oh, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He brings a poor vile sinner into his house of wine. I stand upon his merit. I know no other stand. Not Ian when glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. It's just beautiful. Like the imagery is is gorgeous and so encouraging. And these are the poetry. And when you mentioned the woman who wrote in Welsh, I wish that I had read some of hers because it was beautiful. Like the, it's, so encouraging to our faith and good reminders of where our focus should be and how we should encourage each other. Yes. Um, just beautiful.
1: Yeah. Oh, and there's a a lot of the, uh, we had one of those, or I think we had a couple of them of those books um, that we would go through with our kids about like the hymn stories. And it, and you know, you have, I think we've mentioned a couple it just in this podcast of things that have become hymns that we're familiar with. And it's it's fascinating reading about their lives and things that that the that they went through mm-hmm. kind of brings some perspective, too, because some of these women went through some uh, pretty difficult things. It was it was different yes. times. A lot of them. And and I know Simonetta, for those who haven't heard our first episode with you, I'm going to mention it real quick because I, if you haven't, mm-hmm. please go listen to that one too. And I still highly recommend um, Simonetta's other book. I'm going to, I'll link that in the episode notes too. But you lost your son and, you know, went through a lot.
2: Yeah. And some of these women did too. Um, mm-hmm. the, the same woman who, wrote about the hairstyles. <laughs> she lost her son and uh, she fell apart when that happened. And I, I was actually encouraged to see that, that. You know, Sometimes you get more encouraged when you see Christians actually falling apart under, under certain uh, uh, harsh providences. And then they still maintain their faith, you know, because it's faith is not of you. It's God's gift, but it's encouraging to see that we, we all go through it's now that we try to to keep a stiff upper lip. Um, It's hard. This life is hard. And, uh, but the Lord does sustain us through it.
1: Yeah. One of my friends that went through lost a couple of family members said, Um, A lot of people would be like, well, God is sovereign. And she's like, that's true, but it's okay to grieve. It's okay to Mm -hmm. struggle through this sorrow. Yeah.
0: And it was, you read through history and and especially not just these accounts, but in general, the number of women who lost husbands, multiple husbands, right? Yes. or um, children had many children, but only one or two survived infancy. It's, yeah. it was such a common part of life to, to bury loved ones. And, yes, yes. Um, you know, we, as a, as a modern culture, we're, we're kind of removed from a lot of that. Although many of us have um, very significant losses in our lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah. It was uh, encouraging. Even when I, I read about Macrina and her husband Greg. Uh, sorry, her brother Gregory. Um, when Gregory went to see Macrina on her deathbed, to see the Gregory, we we see, you know, Gregory, the two Gregories, and the Basil. <laughs> we say <laughs> the three Cappadocians for us they are giants in the faith. But apparently he. Uh, he was struggling with the idea of death that. and that's one thing I, I appreciate that older uh, authors Augustine and, uh, and uh, Cappadocians and a lot of others uh, um, they, they were also very honest with their feelings hmm. I know some people later try to dismiss it and say no I, because Gregory wrote this uh, his dialogue with his sister while she was dying, and uh, uh, people later tried to say, Oh, now this he was just uh, using it as a literary device or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, you know, I think he mm-hmm. might have been really struggling with it. Then I, I just took it that way that uh, yeah, I try to take things as they're written and not try to, yeah. Uh, figure out what, what could be hidden behind it. Mm. Um, when you were asking if I learned something uh, specific or uh, you know Monica uh, mother of Augustine she um, she helped me so much when I did this because I, I knew about her but I, I had to read so much more in, to be able to write this chapter and uh, the fact that she was such a helicopter mother (laughs) encouraged me so much because I tend to do that you know sometimes my kids tell me to stop babying them and um, I have to learn not to baby my kids but because they're all adults (laughs) but I, I worry about them, and you uh, know I could identify so much with her, and she made so many mistakes with Augustine, and uh, I don't know when you see mothers that make mistakes, and then God works through it anyway, so you um, always feeling encouraged. And then she, I found out that she was actually uh, quite. Um, um, she was, I can't find the words, but she had some depth, theological depth, and she was able to discuss things with Augustine and, and his friends on the same level. I thought that was also interesting because we don't usually see these women as, you know, in times past, you know, as being. Uh, um uh, as theologically prepared as men, but she was and you never hear of Monica being that way. So that impressed uh. me and it, it to me it was so funny that the image in my, my in my mind to picture Augustine and his friends, all these young men living together because they were young men all of a sudden they were became Christian, they were all excited about Christianity. So I'm, I'm imagining a bunch of uh, first-year seminary students, and then there's Monica there, <laughs> and she has to say things like, please don't sing hymns on the toilet because that's not proper, or something like that. <laughs> and then she, she just kind, kind of goes back and, in and out, you know, serving food while they were discussing all these theological things. And once in a while, she interjects her opinion and they're all amazed because her her thoughts are so correct. But in a way, it's also because she she comes from a simpler point of view. Uh, She doesn't think too much. (laughs) Uh, you know she doesn't try to analyze things too hard and she she makes sense she she makes complete sense. so it's it's interesting. I had a lot of time uh, of, of fun going through on that
1: One of the things I think about when we're reading a book for a podcast because I know a lot of people will ask this question is mm. kind of how this book can be used and this this is something you could just go through on your own, but I was also thinking of a way that if you had a women's group, you could kind of read a couple of them, you know, a week and discuss them. And I think that would be yes, um, you know, very easy to do with the way the book is set up. Especially mm-hmm. you have things that can be discussed and
2: yes, and I we had something on Facebook. Uh, my publisher set something up a page for this book in particular and uh, it was done that way it was to i think we did four a week four chapters just because it was a promotion and <laughs> we were trying to not to take a whole year to go through it but um we went uh, we did four chapters a week and the responses from women were very interesting um I learned a lot from those responses too.
1: Yeah, I think it would encourage some um, pretty interesting discussions to yes. to go through some of these. So, are you are you working on any other projects coming up? Um, I have a children's book.
2: I, I keep going with my series of children children's books. Um, well, one that will be published is already finished and will be published in the fall is uh, Spurgeon. But then I did that. Uh, the one I'm working on right now. It's kind of unusual. And this is why I love Refor- Reformation heritage books. <laughs> I put in a little uh, plug for them. But they allow me to um, to do a few titles of, about people who are not well known. And um, I'm writing about an African theologian, and his name is Bian Kato, and I hope I pronounce it correctly. And um, I think his message was uh, powerful, not just for Africa, but can be powerful for Christians anywhere. So that would be a surprise, I guess, and I hope people will read it, even if it's not—he's it not very well known. Um, and I'm hoping to do another a part two of this questions women asked because I have so many other women that I have uh, have not been able to stick in, in in this book. So,
1: oh, that's awesome! That's great. Yeah, yeah I wondered if you had to kind of. Um, slim it down a little bit if you had ones so mm. you couldn't include.
2: Yeah, I think 31 was probably the most I could put inside. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more. It, it's too bad that we know so little about women in the Middle Ages um, because they very few of them wrote, and the ones who wrote something were mostly mystics and it's a little different it's Mm -hmm. not personal Uh, they didn't talk about their own personal questions yeah but and then men just kind of went over quickly when they wrote their uh, the biographies of women in the middle ages they just uh, only highlighted a few things in their lives, so that's a bit a struggle. But I have a lot of other women. Oh,
1: well, that's great! That, and you know what? I'll also link your blog that you mentioned um, in in the episode notes. So anything we talked about, I definitely will put in the episode notes. Well, thank you so much okay. um, for joining us yeah. and discussing this with us. It's a lot of fun. Well,
2: thank you for having me.